Good evening, dear friends. I'd like to say thank you to the choir. Beautiful job. Both choirs sounded really good. And I would like to thank Dana Lyons for providing the song service this evening. At the end of the service, following the, the announcements, I would ask you to try to move to this side of the sanctuary and uh, prepare for the flag lowering. The others who will be involved in the service tonight, on your left will be Jared Rolette. He is an elder from Norfolk, Nebraska. He will be bringing the invocation. And on your right is Scott Vollmer, who will be bringing the benediction. He is from Buckner, and he is a priest. Our speaker will be Greg Lyons. He is an elder from South Chrysler. And our singing will be accompanied by Haley Stevenson. I appreciate the effort that she has made to develop that skill in her life. And I am Wayne Godfrey, and I am from North Platte, Nebraska, and I am an elder. A little later in the service, we will have the opportunity to make a donation to the offering for the expenses of the camp. And so you might keep that in mind as we prepare here. And I would like to welcome each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I hope every one of you have had a very blessed day, and I hope you have recognized the blessings that have been yours today. And I would like to call you to worship by reading from section 11 in the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 4. Behold, I speak unto you and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. And no one can assist in this work except he shall be humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, being temperate in all things, whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. Being humble and filled with love is not the work that we are called to. Those are the things that prepare us for that work. Our opening hymn will be number 73, Teach Us, O Lord, True Brotherhood. And following this hymn, we will remain standing for the invocation by Jared. Number 73. Will you stand, please?
Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now thankful and grateful for that spirit that's been invited here. Lord, I pray that we might humble ourselves to that which you have for us this day, that those words that our brother Greg bring forth, and that we might open our hearts and our minds to that which you have for us this day, and that you would bless Greg in those things that he shares. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would reside here with each and every one of us at this time, and that this tr service would truly be of you. And Lord, we thank you for the breeze that we have felt and all the people that were able to make it this day. We pray these things, and in Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare to receive the offering, I would like to read a scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which, by the gospel, is preached unto you. The things of this world will fade and they will disappear. But those things that we do to build up the word and the message of God are the things that are going to last for eternity. And I would like to offer a prayer as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for the abundance of the blessings that you have given to us. For Father, we have it so easy so many times, and we often take your blessings for granted. But we pray that you will help us to see them as gifts from you and nothing of ourselves. We pray that you will bless the funds that will be received to the furthering of your work and to the good of this reunion. We pray that each one who gives will do so with a joyful heart and will recognize this opportunity to be able to share in even a small way in the work of your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
For our scripture consideration for this evening, I would like to read three passages of scripture, one from each of our three standard books. The first one is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, and despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And from Alma chapter 3, verses 48 through 51, could you say, if you were called to die at this time within yourselves, that you have been sufficiently humble? That your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins? Behold, are ye stripped of pride? I say unto you, if ye are not, ye are not prepared to meet God. Behold, ye must prepare quickly, for the kingdom of heaven is soon at hand, and such an one hath not eternal life. And finally, from section 61 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 6c. And now verily I say unto you, and what I say unto one, I say unto all, be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst, and I have not forsaken you. And inasmuch as ye have humbled yourselves before me, the blessings of the kingdom are yours.
Before I begin this evening, I would like to express to you the, uh, the heaviness that's on my heart this evening. And I especially want to share with you, dear saints from the Buckner Restoration Branch, and in particular, Brother Bob's family, my sincere condolence at his passing. I've known Bob since high school. He and I played basketball together. He was older than I was, but even at that time, he took us young guys under his wing and he tried to help us, unlike a lot of the other older guys. But I will sincerely miss him. I just loved him to pieces and I, nothing compared to his family and I'm sure the dear saints at Buckner. My wife and I recently had watched a travel channel uh, uh, episode where a gentleman went to Native American Indians and and he went and he visited them and he talked about them and he explained some of the things that they did in that particular place. And I don't even remember what the tribe was, <clears throat> but there was a, a particular elder in, in their tribe that asked him to come and join him and he went to a place of worship. And all it was was a big rock that was there. It, it, that's all that was there in front of him. And, and he said that he could watch and he filmed it. And in the process, this Native American said, uh, he said this, as a part of his worship. We come to you in humility, which is knowing ourselves as a sacred part of creation. And I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful statement of worship. And we come to the Lord as a sacred part of his creation. We hope tonight to discuss and perhaps have a little greater understanding of what it means to possess the attribute of humility as a Latter-day Saint. Jesus shared these precious words on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe on your words and come down into the depth of humility and be baptized in my name, for they shall be visited with fire in the Holy Ghost and shall receive a remission of their sins. Yea, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Humility. The Hebrew meaning of humility is defined as being lowly or meek to be of a low degree, or to bring down or make low. The desire of our Father in heaven from the very beginning was for us to be humble and to be filled with humility. But of course, there's opposition in all things. He said that it would be. And so then we are confronted then with pride, which is the opposite of humility. We're confronted with it in every corner of our life, it seems. Paul warned us that this would take place when he wrote to Timothy about the last days when he said that men would be covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy and without natural affection and truce breakers and false accusers and incontinent and fierce and despisers of those that are good. It seems that in the world that we live in today, we see, see these things more prevalent each day, don't we? 
In this society that we live in now, breeds, it seems, nothing but pride. In fact, many in this nation in this, just this last month celebrated what they called Gay Pride Month. And what was so disheartening to me in association with that was for their banner is the symbol of the everlasting covenant of God. What a slap in the face of our Creator and our Heavenly Father. There's nothing low about it. It is designed to falsely elevate those who are in direct opposition to the teachings of our God. And brothers and sisters, this is just one example of what we see taking place in our society in the time in which we live. Everything we're confronted with in this life seems to be a constant competition to see who can be the highest. And so then we can ask ourselves the question that was posed by Alma. That your garments may have, may have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ who will come to redeem his people from their sins. Behold, are you stripped of pride? I say unto you, if ye are not, ye are not prepared to meet God. Behold, ye must prepare quickly, for the kingdom of heaven is soon at hand, and such an one hath not eternal life. The Lord has continually warned us about pride from the very beginning and the need for humility. Even in more recent years, I can remember the words of Apostle Arthur Oakman when he said this, The worst sin a Latter-day Saint commits, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? They achieve a standard of righteousness and they draw a line. And if you don't come up to their standard of righteousness, God pity you. Their righteousness becomes God's righteousness. And they condemn everyone else who doesn't conform to their way of thinking. This is a sin to which Latter-day Saints are peculiarly subject. Are we guilty of this? Are we guilty of this as Latter-day Saints? I'm so thankful for those times when the Lord has sought to teach me humility. I can remember a time back in the 1990s, our family were members of the Buckner Restoration Branch at that particular time. And I was asked to be a, a, a kind of a group pastor and, and the branch was divided up, I think it was three groups. And, and my job was to try to see and, and, and solicit some of the men to go and visit in the homes. And so we did that and tried to visit as many as we could. But there was one gentleman that he didn't live in his home anymore. He had moved to a nursing home. And some of you may remember him if you go back far enough. It was Brother Laverne Spies. And I didn't know Brother Laverne very well. I talked to him a couple times at church, but I thought, you know, I need to go visit him. And I, and I was prompted one afternoon at work to go see him. And so that night after dinner, I, I left and went. And he, he was in a nursing home over on 23rd Street there in Independence, or right off of 23rd Street. And I went in to visit him. And, and when I walked in the room, uh, I noticed that he was asleep. And he had a roommate that was on a bed on the back side of the room. And there was a lady behind him. 
And she said, what, are, are you here from his church? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, what church do you belong to? And I said, well, I belong to the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I attend the Buckner Restoration Branch. And she said, you need to tell your people they need to come visit this man. And I thought she was kind of rude and abrupt, and so I, uh, I just ignored her. I didn't know what else she was going to say at that point. And so I knew Brother Laverne would want me to, to wake him. It was 7 o'clock in the evening. If I was to come visit, even though he was asleep, he would want me to wake him. So I did, and, and he sat up, and, and we visited. And while we were visiting, this lady left, and, and uh, I don't know how long I was there, 45 minutes maybe. And, and I walked out through down the halls, and, and uh, uh, you know what a nursing home's like. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of disheartening when you're there. And sometimes it doesn't smell so good. And so I got out of there, and... I got out to the little foyer, and she was there waiting for me. She said, I wanted to talk to you. And uh, she wanted to tell me, um, wanted to know a little bit about, you know, the church that we, had, that we had formed. And I assured her that we did not start a new church, that we were continuing the original teachings. And, and it, what ensued was a debate. And she began to debate with me. She was from the community of Christ. And so we began this debate, and I had all kinds of scriptures and and, uh, and I, I talked to her about the large and spacious building on the other side of the river from the, 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 the actual temple lot. And if you know what I'm talking about, that's River Boulevard that runs between the temple lot where the temple will be built and the one that they built. I, that was just one, and that was kind of joking. And, but in the course of this, I, I, I just came one, one after the other, one after the other. And uh, when we got done, she finally just said, you know, well, the main thing we need to remember is to, to love each other. And I said, yes, we do we need to remember that. And, and so we left and I did, we left. And as I was going to my car, I was like I was walking on air. I thought, you know, I put this lady in her place. I had all these scriptures that came to mind and I was able to defend the restoration. And <clears throat> I got in my car and, and I got ready to leave and I bowed my head in prayer just for a moment and I, I thanked the Lord for the privilege to be able to defend him and to uh, and let this lady know about the restoration. And I no sooner got these words out of my mouth in prayer as I was sitting there and all of a sudden I was enveloped in this loving power from heaven, this Holy Spirit in a very powerful way and I heard a voice. It was an audible voice that spoke to me, and it was a male voice. And it said, Greg, you and your people need to go visit this man. He didn't have to say any more. It was under the influence of that loving power of heaven that has the ability to chastise us and humble us that I realized it really wasn't that important that I had defeated this lady in a debate. What was important was that I was able to show my humility and show my love for God by visiting those who are struggling and having difficulties in life. Oh, how I wish I could go back on that occasion and the many others in my life when pride has prevailed, though I thought I was being humble. And this is not something new. It seems to be the nature of man, of the natural man. <clears throat> Once the disciples who were walking with Jesus were arguing amongst themselves, who is the greatest among them? Here's the disciples. They're with the Lord Jesus and they're asking and they're arguing amongst each other. Who's the greatest among them? 
And Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, as you recall, you remember, he took a little child. And he took up this little child and put it in his lap. And he said in Matthew 18, 3, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is in the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I have wondered about this scripture many, many times in my life. And I wondered what he was trying to convey. What is it about this little child that he used as a comparison for us to become humble and to be like? And obviously, the thought that crossed my mind is because children are totally dependent on their parents. They are lowly by nature. They have no desire to, to do harm to anyone. They depend upon their parents for everything. And one thing that stands about, out about children is their love for their parents. It doesn't matter how, how much I try to comfort my grandchildren. They want their parents whenever they're in trouble. But another thing that's interesting about little children, and I hadn't thought about this till recently, that I suspect that the Lord Jesus used this little child as an example that's that is not just peculiar to children, but it should be to all of us, is that they are teachable. Little children are teachable. And brothers and sisters, if there ever comes a day when we think that we know it all, or that we have the world by the tail, so to speak, or that we know all that there is to know, and that we have all of this wonderful intelligence, beware. Because humility cannot exist in that setting. And that's why he, partially why he took up this little child and said, unless we become humble like a child, because a little child thirsts for knowledge and information and experience in life. As we think about this uh, becoming, attaining uh, this attribute of humility, I thought of many that are in scriptures. There are countless numbers of individuals who were humble people in scripture. People who loved our Heavenly Father and were teachable. And I thought I might just talk about a few of those this evening. The first one is Abraham. If you recall Abraham, when he was a young man, the Lord took him from his homeland where he was born and raised and took him to the promised land. And in the course of all the events of his life, he was told that he would be given a special land, that he would have seed that were more numerous than the stars or the sand of the sea, and that from his seed, the nations of the world would be blessed. And he was told this, but the sad thing was he never had a son. He didn't have a son for years and years and years. And finally, an angel appeared to he and Sarah and told him, and she was past the age of bearing children, the normal age of bearing children, said that Sarah would bear a child. And so Sarah bore a child. His name was Isaac, as we know. And uh, Isaac, when he was a young boy, um, you know, Abraham loved him. He loved this, this special child that had come from Sarah. But in section, or Genesis 22, verse 2, the Lord said this to Abraham. And the Lord said, Take now thy son, thine only Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell thee. 
I cannot imagine what entered the mind and the heart of Abraham in that moment. But because of Abraham's love for God and his desire to be obedient to him, he did what the Lord told him. And he took Isaac and they went to this mountain and that was in this land of Moriah. And the Lord told him where to go. And uh, Abraham strapped the, the wood on his back to, to use to, to burn, to make the fire, to burn, offer the burnt offering. And uh, they climbed up to the mountain, and while they were going, Isaac saying, well, where's the sacrifice, Father? And he, Abraham said, the Lord will provide. If you recall the story, he goes up there and to the mountain, and he builds the altar, and he puts the wood on it. Then he binds his son Isaac and puts him on the altar and on top of the wood. And he withdraws his knife, and he's ready to take the life of his own son, as the Lord had told him to do. And just before he was ready to thrust in that knife, the Lord appeared to him and told him to stop. Do not harm the boy that the Lord now saw his faith and his love and his willingness to offer his only begotten, his only son uh, in sacrifice. We read that account. We don't really read any words that Abraham uttered. Nothing real significant it stands out. But his pride reply was a humble action. His response was action, not just words. And because of this one expression of humility, this one act of humility, the nations of the earth have been blessed. Brothers and sisters, you and I are blessed because of just this one one beautiful expression of humility. And so I might ask you this night, what is God calling you to sacrifice? Perhaps your mind is racing. What is he calling me to sacrifice? Brothers and sisters, every single one of us are called to offer up for a sacrifice a broken heart in a contrite spirit. And perhaps in offering up this sacrifice, we can be influential and help and be a blessing to the nations of the earth also. Maybe we can think about that this evening as we think about humility. Another episode, an account that took place in the scriptures is one that has uh, one has wonderful meaning in my life. I don't know why, but it just touches my heart. It's in Alma chapter 14, and it's about a group of people called the Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. The Anti-Nephi-Lehi's were Lamanites. They were a fierce, warring, mean people, and they did not like the Lamanites, and they took every opportunity they could to kill them to go to war with them and to, and to defeat them. But there were four sons of Mosiah that went among them and they taught them, these, some of these Lamanites, about Jesus Christ and about the hope that is in him. And through their ministry and through their touch in their life, they were humbled and they were convicted and they were converted. And they were converted in such a way uh, and were convicted in their hearts because of that which they had done in killing so many people that they were willing to lay down their weapons of war and never take them up again. And it says in the scriptures that they buried them as a testimony to God that they would not ever do that again. 
They were humbled because of the message of Jesus Christ. But there was other Lamanites in the area that were not so converted. In fact, they became angry at these brethren of theirs, these other these Lamanites, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, and they decided they were going to go to war with them. And whenever the anti-Nephi-Lehi's saw them coming, they didn't just go run and hide in their houses. They didn't just go try to run into another part of the land. They ran out towards them. And they prostrated themselves on the ground and they began to pray to their God. And this is what it says in verse 51. Now when the Lamanites saw that their brethren would not flee from the sword, neither would they turn aside to the right hand or to the left, but that they would lie down and perish, and praised God even in the very act of perishing under the sword. Now when the Lamanites saw this, they did forbear from slaying them. And there were many whose hearts had swollen in them for those of their brethren who had fallen under the sword, for they repented of the things which they had done. And they were more joined to the church that day than lost their lives. Because of this one expression of humility. You see, humility has a way of changing the heart of others around us if we apply it with faith and with love. And so we may ask ourselves the question, how do we lay down our weapons? This very simple answer is through thinking of ourselves less than others, to be of a low estate, of a low degree. You know, we live in a world where it's some people act like animals. The Lord tells us, told us that the natural man is an enemy to God. And the natural man is like an animal. <clears throat> but he has given to us the power of his Holy Spirit. And when we allow that Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we don't act like animals in this way. In the animal world, it's survival of the fittest. Isn't it? Whoever's the strongest, whoever's the highest, whoever is the fastest, is survival of the fittest. But in the spiritual world, a spiritual person will humble themselves and even sacrifice for those that are lower or those that need the love of God in their life thinking of ourselves less than others is a way to express humility that will impact those around us in this world in which we live. One more. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, we read about Moses being meeker than all the men on the earth. And though Moses was the meekest in his day, according to the scriptures, Brothers and sisters, there's none, even Moses, that can compare to the meekness and the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. This only begotten Son of the Father who left the bosom of his Father in the mansions of glory to condescend, as it says in 1 Nephi, 
or to lower himself to dwell among us. And the only time that Christ was ever lifted up, you remember what it is? It's when he was lifted up on the cross, when he offered himself as the infinite and eternal sacrifice for us in our sins, that we may be able to live with he and our Father in heaven forever. There's none more humble or meek than the Lord Jesus Christ. So what can we do to become more humble? I thought I'd just share with you a, a list of some items that maybe you'd like to consider, maybe you might want to think about tonight and in the future. Just some simple helps. Number one, routinely confess your sin to God. Honestly examine ourselves. Hopefully we did that on Sunday morning. Number two, acknowledge your sin to others. The true test of humbleness is the willingness to confess to others. Patiently respond to unjust accusations and, accusa and actions of others. Number four, actively submit to authority. Number five, receive correction and feedback from others graciously. Number six, accept a lowly place, even if you thought you deserved a higher one. Number seven, purposely associate with people of a lower state than you, that you might learn from them. Number eight, choose to serve others. Number nine, be quick to forgive, even when you don't feel they deserve it. Number 10, cultivate a grateful heart, for a grateful heart is a humble heart. Number 11, always try to speak well of others. Find the good in people. Number 12, treat pride as a condition that always necessitates embracing the cross. And another very beautiful and a profound one is recorded in Ether chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, when the Lord told Moroni this, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And Moses had an account or had an interchange with the Lord in section 22 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and he was confronted, confronted with the presence in a, in a very clear knowledge of God whenever he was able to see him. And Moses said this in verse 7b, something that he realized. He said, now for this cause, I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. Brothers and sisters, nothing cultivates a sense and a feeling of humility, like being confronted with the love of God and his mercy, his kindness, his majesty in glory 
And just like he told Moroni, come unto him, pray to him, love him, learn all you can about him, just like a child is teachable. And also walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as much as you possibly can. And then with spiritual eyes, we will be able to see the holiness and the glory and the majesty of our Father in heaven. And the fruit of that spirit, one of the, piece, one of the fruits of that spirit is meekness. And meekness is a synonym for humility. The brothers and sisters, if we're going to walk in humility, we have to do it with sincerity. And rest assured, humility is not weakness. Now, I saw how important this is in a very practical way when I saw Sergeant Salvador Junta. Sergeant Salvador Junta was the first living person to win the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War. He had, by his own, in, in his own power, not his own power, but uh, by the teachings and the trainings that he had had, he saved five of his fellow men in his brigade as they were attacked by insurgents from Iraq. He saw the leader of his platoon being drug off by two insurgents, and he didn't just wait for them. He ran to them, and he shot both of them, and he recovered his, his team leader. And because of this valiant acts of bravery, he received this special medal of honor. And so when he was interviewed, I saw the interview. They interviewed him a little bit later after he received the medal. And uh, in response to the man talking to him about the things that he'd done, he said, well, I didn't do anything spectacular. I didn't do anything any of those other men wouldn't have done. And a little bit later then, this interviewer said, uh, well, Sergeant Junta, he says, are you a great soldier? Sergeant Junta, he paused for a minute and he thought. And he looked up and he said, well, really, he said, just fair. And he paused for another moment and he said, but can you imagine what a great one is like? And then a tear began to run down his cheek. He said, I served with great soldiers. It wasn't long after this that Sergeant Junta gave his medal to the brigade and expressed to them that he felt that they deserved it. Because they were the great soldiers. His humility was expressed in sincerity by word and by action. Was Sergeant Junta weak? Nothing weak about the man. But he was humble. In Alma chapter 16, Alma was ministering among the Zoramites. And they uh, were discouraged because they weren't allowed to worship in the worship in the worship houses of worship because they didn't have the fine clothes that the other people had. And, and uh, they were uh, really discouraged by the, the condition, the situation they found them in. And you recall Alma told them, uh, blessed are you because you're compelled to be humble. 
But then Alma said, more blessed are those who are humble without being compelled. Brothers and sisters, what is it going to take for us to become more humble? Why is it so important to our Heavenly Father that we possess this attribute? It's obvious that no one wants to be around people who are prideful. I don't care what circle of influence we may be in, pride always results in a sense of resentment among some, even if it's just one. But as I have studied and observed those who are humble, those who have gone on before that lived humbly, they were humbled because when they were confronted with the love of God, their heavenly Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ, they were then able to move out with the knowledge that the power was available to them. And it was not that which was in them, but it was in the hands and the spirit of this loving Heavenly Father. They were spiritually strong. Their life was no longer about themselves. <clears throat> A mighty change came over their life because of being confronted with the love of God. And so, how do you feel when you're confronted with the love of God? I know how I felt Sunday morning sitting back there in that back corner when those dear brothers brought around the tray of bread. Never had this happen before in my whole life. I picked up the piece of bread I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I try to focus at a sacrament service, and sometimes my mind drifts. I was admiring this beautiful smell of the lake coming and the breeze it was blowing through. And I reached forth, I took the piece of bread, and I put it in my mouth. And the voice of the Good Spirit spoke to my heart, and I felt that power come from heaven. And the words were this, I did this for you. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus did that. He was lifted up on the cross for you and for I. And if, if that doesn't humble us, I don't know what will. I've had many humbling experiences in my life. On Monday morning, I don't know why, I was awakened very early in the morning. It was still dark out, and, and uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, the experience was brought to my remembrance. Remember, Monday was July the 4th, so maybe it had something to do with that. I hadn't been thinking about it. I hadn't even thought about this experience for, for quite some time, quite a long time, actually. It was an experience that happened in the early part of November in the year 2016. And I had gone to visit this lady and her family, her, her daughter and some others, and because the lady's husband had passed away. And it was on a Sunday afternoon, and I... Uh, and I went to visit her, and, and while I was there, I could feel my phone ringing in my pocket. And I didn't want to answer it while I was there in that setting, so I just let it ring. And when I got done, I got out to the car, and, and I pulled out my phone, and I saw that it was a, a phone call from Sister D. Ruoff. And I knew that Brother Steve had been quite ill for some time, and, uh, and I wondered what she was calling about, and so I immediately called her. I didn't even listen to the message, and she said, Brother Greg, she did, said, Brother Steve is gone. 
he's just passed away. And, uh, and uh, it's hard to describe what I was feeling in that particular moment. I had this responsibility as the, the presiding elder and the pastor of the branch, but with this dear brother who I loved uh, uh, had just left and had gone to be with the Lord. And, and so I said, well, where are you at? She says, I'm at the hospital. And I said, are you gonna be there for a while? And she said, yes. I said, well, I'll be there just a moment. And I had drove from Blue Springs. He was at the Veterans Hospital there at 31st in Van Brunt. I think it's 31st, but. So I got there, I went in, I knew what room he was in. I went up to the hallway and as I was walking down the hallway, it was quiet. It wasn't like I had ever time I'd ever been there before. It was hustle bustle. There was ladies and guys moving here and there, taking care of the men that were in there. It was quiet. <clears throat> and so I walked down to his room and the door was closed. And when I got to the door, I thought, well, I wonder if there's something going on in there. And I didn't want to just barge in. And, and, uh, and so I stood there for a moment and this nurse walked by and she said, would you like to go in there? And I said, well, yes, I would like to, but I, if there, I don't want to disturb anything. And she goes, uh, she goes, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Greg Lyons and I'm the pastor from, from his church. And, and uh, I'm here, was here to visit his wife, and she said, well, you can go in. And uh, so I, uh, you have to excuse me, it's one of the most humbling experiences I've ever experienced in my life. So I opened up the door and I walked in, and here was the bed Brother Steve was on the bed, but I couldn't see him because they had draped the whole bed with an American flag. I was in the room with a soldier who had just left the earth. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if I felt any lower in my life. I felt as though I wasn't worthy to even be there. This man had served this nation. He had served in the Lord's church from the time he was a young man. He'd been pastor many times in different places. And as I stood there, I was uh, this, this overwhelming uh, sense of, of somewhat awe of this soldier that was in front of me draped in this American flag. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't see his wife. I didn't see Dee in there at that particular moment. And then uh, all of a sudden she came out. She was sitting in a chair kind of hidden on the back side of the room until she came out. And all of a sudden I remembered the words of Brother Steve whenever I went to visit him when I was... Uh, took on the responsibility of being the presiding elder at South Chrysler that particular year. I went to visit him and I asked him once, because he'd, been, he'd done it so many times before, I said, what's the most important thing to remember as a pastor of a branch? He said, love the sheep. And those words came to my mind immediately when his wife walked around the corner and all of a sudden, this overwhelming love for this dear sister and the situation that she was in just, just filled me. Humility has a way of changing our heart. 
has a way of changing how we want to reach out to others that are in need. Changes how we view the world. It changes how we may act and behave. That perhaps, like these others in their acts of humility, this world might be changed. Humility isn't just a quality for us to have so we can be proud of having attained it. It's an attribute that is necessary for being engaged in God's work. And what is this work? It's again in section 22, we all know it. It's to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man and the building up of his kingdom on earth. And we think, well, how is humility so important to that? Well, do you remember the words that Brother Wayne read earlier from section 11 of the Doctrine and Covenants? You remember what the first thing was that was listed if you want to assist in the work? And no one can assist in this work except he shall be humble and full of love, having faith, hope, and charity. The attribute of humility is not intended for us to have a self-deprecating countenance and communication. It's not designed for us to walk around with long faces. In fact, quite the opposite. We should have joy in our hearts when we recognize our nothingness but the power and the love of God that is present with us. Humility is intended for us to have it like a little child to recognize our dependence upon God for all things, to continually seek to learn from him, to consider ourselves of a low estate in relation to him, and to recognize that we are called to grow and develop and serve and give like he does. And if there's any one thing that God knows how to teach us, that stands out above all others in my mind is sacrifice. The greatest instrument the expression of humility has is sacrifice. And perhaps you've wondered in your life, well, what is it? How is it that I can sacrifice? Arthur Oakman asked that same question. He was confronted with that in his own life at one point. And he thought that he would like to give a sacrifice to the Lord and he wondered what it was that he could give and he thought anything that he thought that he could offer to the Lord, he realized it had already been given to him from the Lord in the first place. And it was in a prayer meeting that this happened to him and he, he realized this and even shared it in his testimony. And then one of the presiders stood up and said, with a thus saith the spirit, what greater sacrifice can you offer than investing your life in the lives of my children? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? The most humble one that we can think of? I'd like to encourage you this week to take a moment, take some time especially in this setting, we're away from the world somewhat. Take some time and go sit quietly and commune with the Lord and ask him to help you to apply the attribute of humility 
in your life. But I want to warn you. I want you to be prepared. Because he may take you somewhere extraordinary. He may take you at a place you've never been before. He may take you to a place where someone is in need. He may take you a place where you may be called to sacrifice. He may take you to where a, a place where it doesn't smell so good or it doesn't look the best. He may take you to a place where you can learn humility like you never have before. So as we seek to continue to seek to cultivate the attribute of humility, I'd like to leave you with this promise given of the Lord. And now verily I say unto you, and what I say unto one, I say unto all, be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst. And I have not forsaken you, and inasmuch as you have humbled yourselves before me, the blessings of the kingdom are yours. Gird up your loins and be watchful and be sober, looking forth for the coming of the Son of Man. For he cometh in an hour you think not. Let us enter the depths of humility, humble ourselves as a little child, love and trust our Heavenly Father. Never stop learning what he desires to teach us and sacrifice for the cause of the kingdom. Thank you, Brother Greg, for the good spirit, the wonderful words that every one of us can benefit from, and the wisdom concerning humility. Following our closing hymn, would you be seated again for our announcements? Our hymn will be number 358, 358, Give Me Thy Heart. <clears throat> will you stand please?
almighty and heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this service, for this evening, and for the message that you brought to us through Brother Greg. We pray that you'll be with us as we go forth from this tabernacle, that your humility and your love will be with us always, that we will carry it forth to each other and to all that we meet. I now ask a benediction on this service, and I pray that your love and mercy will be with us always. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.